right, how's it going, everybody? Welcome to episode 74 here on Hawaii Football Now. Jordan Kelly, Hunter Hughes, back with you for another edition here on ESPN Honolulu. We record this Wednesday morning about 10 a.m. Fun show lined up for you. We've got um, ESPN radio voice Mark Veneri coming on, color guy for the University of Hawaii Rainbow Warrior football broadcast. Uh, as we continue to kind of have a little retrospective on the 2022 season, nice kind of time to bridge into the next year and uh, finally get a chance to catch up with our guy, Mark Veneri, uh, former frequenter here on the Hawaii Football Now podcast. A uh, big mahalo to our sponsor, Spectrum Mobile, Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union as well. And uh, as we get into our quick opening drive here, Hunter, uh, final show of January, first of all, where the time has gone, right? Set to release this on Thursday, January 27th, uh, as we record this, uh, excuse me, January 26th, uh, as we record this on Wednesday, the 25th. Um, one thing that I wanted to get into before we get into some of the football stuff, I, I thought uh, this past weekend in local sports was was really, really cool, obviously, oh, uh, with the running of the Eddie. Uh, out at Waimea Bay. Um, what a show. What an awesome event that was. Uh, truly like a special occasion. And and I know this is the football podcast. We're not going to spend too much time on it. But uh, I mean, like the stuff of movies, right? The the North Shore lifeguard, Luke Shepardson goes yeah. and wins the title. You got guys as old as like 65 out there. And Mike Ho, uh, you had uh, some of the women out there uh, doing their thing as well for the first time ever. Um, everything about it, first time in what was it, seven years or whatever it was, everything about it is just like as special as it can get. And then uh to have like the Cinderella story of the winner in Luke Shepherdson. Um, I don't know what that's equivalent to. I don't know if that's like, you know, the guy who's like the pro at the course for uh for a golf tournament who's like an alternate. They're like, Oh, somebody pulled out, we need like somebody to play. And they're like, Well, there's the guy working security. Do you want him to come? uh and and tee it up and then he goes out and shoots the round of his life or something like that it's, yeah. it's just incredible yeah i think about the uh the greatest game ever played the u.s open at uh the country club uh at a uh, brookline massachusetts they made that movie about it shia labeouf uh played francis Wimet. he was the caddy at that club and qualified and got in and ended up winning the u.s open and i think it was like 1905 or something like that it was like the early 1900s but uh yeah very unique set of circumstances right there that we don't usually get with other sports you know in football that might be the equivalent of like the water boy (laughs) or (laughs) like maybe the ref you know because the lifeguards keep everybody safe so in football that might be the ref uh going in at halftime and putting on putting on a helmet (laughs) and then going out there and mounting a comeback victory or or something but yeah it something unique probably only and also to the poetry uh storyline of Eddie Aikau and being one of the original uh lifeguards at Waimea Bay and him being a protector and everything into kind of that legend that is Eddie Aikau um really really cool to see that guy Luke uh literally tap out or a uh, clock out, I should say of his shift and uh, go out there and serve the Eddie in between uh, shifts uh, as being a lifeguard. It's, it's unbelievable. And um, I really like that quote from Ezekiel Lau, who ended up winning wave of the day. He said, you know, when the waves are that big, you don't catch the waves, the waves catch you. Um, I really liked that. Uh, as someone who 
when he does surf has the waves catch him all the time i'm speaking of myself and i get thrown on three to five foot waves let alone those 50 footers that were coming in this past weekend um but uh very very cool i mean that, that that's what makes hawaii special every couple of years whenever the eddy uh the perfect storm literally uh has to happen for it to run everybody you know I, I always love when sporting events capture the attention of the general public. Uh, I was just at a coffee shop uh, just a couple of days ago and hearing aunties and uncles that you would think nobody cares about sports. They're whispering about the Eddie Cow. I can hear them talking about it. That gets me excited. You know, sports like this um, bring people together and, uh, you know, it just adds to um, the, the coolness of event when a lifeguard wins it. Yeah, incredible. I mean, it really is like a cultural event, right? It's it's much bigger than sports uh, in a lot of ways, especially for for people here in the islands. Uh, really cool stuff. All right, uh, that was our quick opening drive. Before we head into the game time, a good chance to remind you that Hawaii Football Now is brought to you by Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union. Originally opened in 1936 as a credit union for educators, Hawaii USA has inspired a culture of giving that is rooted in education and has since become Hawaii's largest credit union and expanded to other areas of community need that impact financial health, including healthcare, housing, and hunger. To learn more, please visit HawaiiUSAFCU.com. All right, we got Mark Veneri coming up. Let's get into the game time. All right, we're here with a guy, Mark. Mark, thanks a lot for joining us once again. Uh, we've been wanting to catch up with you for a little bit here. Uh, you are always a busy guy. You're doing all kinds of different things. <laughs> so we appreciate you making a little time for us. Uh, and we're excited to to kind of just talk story about all, all things Hawaii football. Uh, but before we get into that, and, and uh, as we've mentioned a few times, and, and you and Hunter making up two thirds of, uh, you know, the radio broadcast this past season, um, just kind of generally, you know, how how'd that go for you? Uh, I know you guys had a blast, you know, obviously working with your brother, John Hunter on the sidelines, but uh, kind of what was the experience like for you uh, here, right. here in the first season of that Brotherhood broadcast? Well, I think uh, I think one of the cool things was, you, you know, for me, I, I grew up kind of uh, just always wanting the opportunity to kind of be in that situation. You know, you, you look up to guys like, you know, you Bob Hogues, your Bobby Kearns, your, uh, you know, Lad Panis, uh, just, mm-hmm. you know, Robert Kikawas, you know, just all of them. And, and you look at it and, you know, John was on that list, of course, you know, being that he's my brother, um, but when you get the opportunity and and I I share this because I think one of the moments that, you know, really hit me was not so much the two opening games at home, but uh, what really hit me was I was in the big house and Mm -hmm. I was thinking to myself, I'm like, I am absolutely living my dream at the, at the very moment. And I actually had to go outside before the broadcast and take a moment for myself to really like, just be like, man, I'm doing this. Like, you know, not many people get to live out their dreams and, you know, to do with my brother is even more fantastic, you know, just do it side by side and, you know, kind of, it, it was, um, it was an experience. And, and I think the cool thing about this is that we have the opportunity and, and the room to get better as both um, a play-by-play and the color guys. And um, I think the only way from here is just to go up. Yeah. And I think, I think that's, that's one thing that, that people will appreciate that, that I know I appreciate. I know we've had conversations with you. I, I've, I've had uh, conversations with your brother about, you know, just kind of getting better at the craft. And, and you know, the only way you really do that is get reps. And now you got like a full right. season under your belt, you know, and, and, and it's like anything else, right? It, it The more you do it, the more comfortable you get. And, and so yeah. I, I guess 
from that standpoint, you know, what did you kind of find yourself uh, getting into maybe that, that, that surprised you or you didn't expect or, or just something that, cause you've obviously had a ton of experience doing a whole bunch of other broadcasts, you know, maybe not the university of Hawaii stuff, but whether it's high school or other sports or what have you, but uh, did anything kind of surprise you about, about the job or, or, or the season that kind of came about? Well, well, one of the the cool things um, is that people don't know this. Like, yeah, you could say that, you know, John and I, you know, we're brothers. We grew up together. Obviously, we're, you know, uh, being that he's a little bit older than I. But that uh, one of the things that really stood out was that we never worked together. So um, trying to find the niche between the two of us and trying to find our flow, trying to find um, when I should go or when he should go. Like, uh, obviously, him doing the play-by-play, he takes that lead role. But when to kind of interact with him in regards to, you know, adding the piece of that color. So um, that was something we that we got um, honed in on, I would say, more, you know, as we grew towards the season, which was, you know, fantastic. And, you know, one of the things for me is, like, I've been doing the play-by-play role with um, high school football. Um, so stepping back and going to the color really allowed me the opportunity to actually do what I love in the sense that I'm a film junkie. I love to be in the film room. So I, I, you know, studying coverages, studying what uh, teams and opponents are doing um, when, you know, Hawaii has that opportunity to play, be in the room with Timmy and, you know, Jacob Yoro, Coach Shoemaker, and really picking their brain about just football. And that's kind of the aspect that I love about uh, doing the color is that I get to really hone in on some of the uh, unique styles that our coaching staff has and kind of, of the unique styles that we face um, week in and week out across the country. Yeah, man, that, that's super cool. And uh, Jordan mentioned getting reps in, and that's kind of a good branching off um, segment. You know, Coach Timmy, this is his first time as a head coach. Yeah. And a lot of this past year was him getting his reps in um, with everything, with recruiting, putting a coaching staff together, drafting up a uh, – uh, plays that, that that are going to put us in a winning position uh, clock management later on uh, in in the game you know all of those things you have to get reps in if you're going to be successful at this job you know what was your perception uh, in being in those rooms and just a season uh, as a whole of uh, how coach Timmy Chang did um, I think one of the things, Hunter, and I know we've kind of talked about this too, and I've alluded to this to a lot of people because, you know, I've had some conversations in regards like, oh, we were three and 10. Well, you know, there's things that we need to change. But I, you know, went back and look at, uh, looked at the season and, you know, thought to myself, of those losses, of those 10 losses, five of them now were a combined 30 points. Uh, so if you look at it, and even Timmy and Coach Yara would say, it's a matter of one to two plays, like literally the game of uh, whether they won or lost in the games, especially in conference, were separated by at least one to two plays in that game that really made the difference. Now, if you look at it, I think that's a huge positive heading into next season, because one, you know how to lose now, which in the sense that you've had those close games and you don't want to have that feeling again. You don't want to have that feeling of losing that close game when you have the opportunity to win and now when you're in that tight game you understand the nerves you understand the butterflies you understand the situation that you're in so you can perform at a higher level and to me i think 30 points 30 points separates us um 
from being in the Hawaii Bowl and being eight and five. So it, it you look at it from that perspective, I think there's a lot of growth. And I think the coaching staff realizes that, you know, we had a lot of young guys and a young coaching staff. And believe it or not, you know, learning the learning the X's and O's, hey, guess what? Learning how to win is just important as the X's and O's. And you figure that out as time goes on. Yeah. No, that's good. And you, you mentioned, you know, moving forward into this uh, this next year, uh, early signing period, you know, has come and gone. We're about to hit the uh, normal uh, national uh, letter of intent period. And uh, just looking at this recruiting class that's coming in, what um, are some things that gets you excited about this next season uh, as spring ball is just a couple of weeks away now? It's crazy to even say that, but uh, we're right around the corner. Um, I I can't believe one. I was I was looking at twenty four seven sports. So look, the other day actually, which was good. This is good news for Hawaii fans. Hawaii um, got the second ranked um, class in t- terms of transfers uh, in the Mountain West Conference. So that's um, it shows that national attention is saying, hey, Timmy Chang and what they're doing in terms of getting a solid, ready talent. Um, they rank second, and I believe Nevada was just ahead of them. And um, that's a huge win for, you know, bringing in the type of talent that coach Timmy Chang needs um, to obviously, obviously start that run and shoot. I'm excited about Joshua. I'm actually really excited about the transfers. Um, you know, Cam Stone out of Wyoming is locked down. Like that's a lockdown corner. You don't have to worry about one side of the football field when you have him. Joshua Atkins, sleeper at the offensive tackle position. Uh, Stephen McBride has some speed out of Kansas. Um, and, you know, looking at it, I think one of the Kuau Pehopa, obviously from Washington coming over, Elijah Robinson off the edge. Um, that was one thing we were missing off, uh, missing last season. It's kind of like that speed rush uh, defense end, but having him at 6'4", 250 um, from EC, uh, I believe it was um, Eastern, uh, Carolina. Eastern Carolina. Yeah. yeah. So just having him and um, having him there, I think will be a huge, I think one of the sleepers, and I want you guys, and I don't want to butcher it. Um, he played in the Polynesian Bowl this past weekend. I really think he's going to be a sleeper on the years to come for the University of Hawaii. Isaac Mongaleo, um, 6'7", 330-pound tackle, played in Florida, knows how to play against the big boys. I, I believe they're going to gray shirt or red shirt him. I think he's going to be fantastic as he grows. A lot of good reviews from some of the, the people of the national uh, scouting guys so they had a lot of good things to say um, about him Elijah Palmer um, as well out of Bishop Gorman I really like him um, and then the I think the monkey in the room and kind of like the rabbit in the room Hunter and um, Jordan is the quarterback position yeah. um, you know Timmy didn't go out and get another quarterback he said John Sangapolutele is the guy I like the guy I want and then there's Braden Shager so I think you kind of got the writing on the wall of who's going to be battling at least next season at the quarterback position. Yeah. And of course that, that kind of is a, a, an even bigger part of the conversation because of what he announced with the offense, right. And basically that he will be calling the plays. Uh, It'll be very much a collaborative game planning sort of situation, but uh, you know, he wants to, he wants to run the run and shoot. Uh, And that of course, it sends off like uh, alarm bells. I think there are like sensors placed out the islands um, that immediately start chiming. Anytime somebody says run and shoot and and people perk up. 
um what'd you make of that news and and the fact that look they they are they they seem to be fully committed to Braden Shager here as they make this transition uh into uh, an offense that resembles something that that people should be very familiar with and and you know one thing about uh, that I've heard at least from the coaching staff very high reviews on Braden Shager um and even his teammates um about uh Shager uh being in the film room uh being a guy that wanted to get better just understanding always that uh you know getting into timmy's ear hey how can i improve understanding the offense now the intricacies of the run and shoot it's a, a really small playbook believe it or not um i've had the opportunity to see a couple of run and shoot playbooks which is great um but it's small but the intricacies lie in the details and hunter knows this when it comes to coverage so um i think you know making the switch to the run and shoot with the with the personnel that we have great move by Timmy. I think that's what he's familiar with. And I think that's what everybody wants to see um, as well, because it allows you, um, you know, to spread the football out and you can, you have that run game. Uh, you have Tylen Hines, Najee, Brian LeVay as well in the backfield. Um, but like you said, I, I don't sleep on John Sangapolutele either. Uh, this freshman is working hard. Um, I've seen him. He's grown two inches. So he's about almost six, four um, heading into uh, university of Hawaii, about six, three, six, four. So, um, he has a little swag to him as a local boy, and I think he wants to make the state proud. And um, the move is the right time it, because I don't think it's a wait and see um, type of deal for this uh, university. I think it's a win now. Um, it's a win now mode, and I and I, I'm happy that we've that we're making that transition to the run and shoot. Yeah, and and for you know the the offense <laughs> to be sort of deemed as such and and. They seem to now, you know, at least have an identity that they can work off. What do you what do you make of the dynamic of of Timmy kind of taking over the play calling duties and and, and how that all is so you know should work out and and you know it's it's an added responsibility for a guy who's who's a pretty young head coach. And and you know I think the best comparison just being on the sideline and understanding it has been Nick Rolovich. Um, we saw Smitty call um, some plays. We saw Craig Stutzman call some plays. And then in the last uh, two seasons, uh, Nick Rolovich said, uh, "This is I'm good at it. I I know what to do. I've been in OC. I understand it. Um, like QB, I I played I played the position. I understand the offense. I have to be the guy calling the plays. That's just what it is. And I think Timmy understands that because he's been around it for so long that I think he understands. Hey, I I need to take this playbook. I I know what to do. I know what to expect." And I got to be the guy that plays. Now he's a first-time play caller, at least from um, Division One offensive coordinator standpoint, because he's taking play call duty. But he has to. I think all of us can agree that that's something that he has to do because of his knowledge of the run and shoot. And I expect big things. Don't um, don't sleep on the tight end too. Adding the tight end, kind of like a hybrid, and with Rolo did. Um, Adding that tight end like Tui Unga back in the day, I know you and I love Tui Unga, uh, Hunter, um, Dakota Torres as well. You're gonna see guys like that in the mix, bigger matchups uh, type of deals. So you'll still uh, see a little bit of that RPO hybrid, um, but it's gonna be obviously geared more towards uh, the run and shoot concepts. Yeah, and you know that's the reality is we're really only one successful halfway successful season um, away from in my mind, a flood of players coming back to Hawaii via the transfer portal. We've spoken to many of uh, the coaching staff 
about keeping an open door policy for just because guys, yes. you know, went somewhere else, um, you know, after high school, it doesn't mean they can't come back to Hawaii and come be a part of what they're creating right now. So I really feel like this coming season might be the opportunity that we've been waiting for with the run and shoot with Timmy Chang, with this brotherhood as an invitation for what guys could come and be a part of. Yeah, because I think I think what the transfer portal has kind of allowed it's allowed the opportunity for second chances a little bit more because um, what happened was you know even you know I think what happened in in the NCAA is that you'd have to sit out a year in terms of a transfer you, you know you could use your red shirt but if you didn't have it you'd have to sit out but now in, now allowing that immediate eligibility to play via the transfer portal allows guys to come back home and that open door policy. Um, hey, let, let's face it, local boys get homesick, and that's just what it is. So they get homesick, Absolutely. they miss the food, they miss their families, and then, hey, next thing you know, you build you build off of that, and I could see that happening. Um, and I think one of the things, and, and, and I, I'd be interested to get your guys' take, too, if we're talking about it, is the whole college football playoff, we had a, a what is it, two hours we're on a show, Hunter. The whole college football playoff has absolutely changed the mindset and the landscape of, hey, guess what? A non-Power 5 school can make it. Hawaii goes 11-1, and let's just say, has a breakout season, which is possible, goes 11-1 and in the Mountain West Conference, and they're ranked 15th, and they're the highest-ranked non-Power uh, 5 school. Yeah. Hey, guess what? They're in the college football playoff. <laughs> so, they, I mean, now it really – it I think it levels the playing field, and I think it allows us the opportunity. If we get this momentum going in the right direction, uh, this year is going to be, you know, and in, in no pressure on coach. I think he knows this when we have our talks. Um, it's – we got to get to the Hawaii Bowl or better. And that's just what it is. has to be above 500. Um, and competitive in conference. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you there. I think, you know, it, that would be a huge benchmark, I think, especially in the first year of the run and shoot, if you will, the first year of Timmy mm-hmm. kind of taking over the play calling duties. I agree with you there. Before we let you get out of here, Mark, um, spring ball's like right, right around the corner. <laughs> I can't uh, believe we're, that. <laughs> we're really transitioning into the saying the, the, the traditional signing day is next week, Wednesday. Um, we'll we'll kind of round out the recruiting class there. Then they're, then they're right into spring ball like 10 days later or whatever it is. Um, in February, what are, what are you kind of looking forward to with the spring practices? Anything you've got your eye on in particular, um, as, as we kind of really, really kind of kick year two of the Chang era into full gear. Well, the rumor, uh, the floating around, there's two things, uh, the two things that I'm looking forward to, uh, remember Tylen Hines was a converted slot that went to running back. Um, I'm interested to see if they make the move to put Tylen Hines back to slot, because he reminds me of that Cedric Bird. Jojo Ward type of take the defense, uh, um, take the top off the defense type of speed. He just has that type of speed. You pair him with a guy like Kuali Nishigaya at slot that understands the run and shoot, that is a dangerous slot combination, especially in the run and shoot. And then you got a big back in Najee Brian Lelay. You're going to see some guys that um, I think will move around in the offense. Um, but for me, um, from what I know, the guys have already been working out. They've been, you know, they have some of the baseline of the playbooks. Um, I, I'm, I'm thinking they hit the ground running. And, and I think the spring is just an opportunity to see, you know, where personnel needs to be at that point. Um, and then at least, you know, having it early and having it installed, having that, 
you know, that fresh taste of the run and shoot. You know, for me, I'm I'm expecting them to hit the ground running. I'm expecting Shager to at least have a little bit of a grasp on it because I've heard he's been working very hard um, on understanding the playbook. So um, I'm excited. I, I, I like the ball spreading around. I like the ball in the air. I'm a, I'm like Hunter. I love the quarterback play and, you know, get the ball out, get the ball out quick and let your playmakers do their thing. And um, I think it's hit the ground running. Uh, um, my expectations normally are like this, I guess you could say at spring ball, it's going to be, it's going to be a little bit higher um, for me. I, I need to see some, a quick development heading into uh, the 2023 season. Yeah, I couldn't agree anymore. I, the number one thing for me is seeing how these guys um, adapt, uh, mainly the the QB position, to uh, not just the concepts, but uh, um, the overall understanding of the run and shoot. It's a completely different paradigm in quarterback play. Um, a lot of times different dropbacks, uh, the way that you flow as, as a player, um, a lot goes into that. That's why, you know, it takes two, three years to get fully developed. Whenever Rolo came in, it wasn't until the 2019 se season, which was his third year, um, that we really found our legs in that offense. And so um, I'm most curious to see kind of how, our guys uh, at the QB position um, adapt and uh, and work into that into that system because it's going to take some reps. Yeah, and you know the funny part uh, about the running shoot it's not so it's not so funny um, because the thing of this is that you have one play call, but you have six different route choices based off of three to four different coverages. So in one play, you have maybe ten things that you need to think about as a receiver so and even as a quarterback when you're taking that half roll or that three to five step drop you already got to know pre-snap read at coverage um, when you come up to the line of scrimmage you got to know what the defense is doing at that point and making those, those reads and then the receivers have to be on the same page as the quarterback so you know that hunter about the run and shoot that's the part that takes time and trust uh, within the run and shoot so um I know they've been already working at uh, working out in the off season. You know, they've been throwing the ball around. I, I know that much, but obviously live reps is going to help them. And that's, that's the part that um, needs to develop. And I, I and I think quicker uh, would be the, the proper word. They, they got to get a step on it um, pretty quickly heading into um, fall because man, this is happening fast all over again. Thinking about football. <laughs> I know. Yeah, there, there is no downtime. Um, there is none. No matter where, as long as they line up Tyler Hines someplace that he gets the football in his hands a whole lot, I am all for it. Uh, and I think uh, folks will be pretty excited, and I know folks will be excited uh, to Tyler hear the Hines, once again. By the way, again. Jordan, Jordan, yeah. Tyler needs about 15 touches per game. Oh, that, easy. that would be easy. that would be my minimum requirement. I don't, I don't care how you use them. You use them, in, but. 10 to 12, if he's at the slot, 10, 12 touches per game, if not more, at least targets, uh, that boy needs a football. Yeah, no, he, he's got to he's gotta be a very, very big part of the offense. Uh, and I, I'm excited to see what kind of uh, what kind of creative ways they've got cooked up to get him the football. So it, it should be fun. Hey, Mark, we appreciate it. As always, my man, uh, you are always more than welcome back on the pod. And uh, we'll catch up with you maybe after spring ball, kind of get your take uh, before we head into the summer. Yes, sir. And I'll see you guys soon. I'll see you guys at spring ball. Man, it was it two weeks away. I think yeah. that's it. It's coming. And we're right. Pads on all over again. Here we go. 
<laughs> yes, sir. All right, All right take guys. care, man. You guys have a good day. Take care. Bless, Mark. All right, uh, big thanks to our guy, Mark Veneri. Um, always fun to catch up with him. The man definitely puts in the work. He, he's very knowledgeable in the game, coaches, uh, does it all, uh, and uh, has a million hats that he wears, but uh, obviously takes a lot of pride in uh, being part of the broadcast team for the University of Hawaii Rainbow Warrior football broadcasts. All right, uh, halftime coming up. We got some news and notes on the other side. Um, and before we wrap up episode 74, second half coming your way. This is Hawaii Football Now from ESPN Honolulu. All right, second half time, Jordan Hunter back with you again. Big thanks to Mark Veneri for joining us in the first part of our pod here on Hawaii Football. Now, I wanted to get into some, some light news, Hunter, uh, kind of bounce around popcorn style before we wrap this one up. Uh, one thing I did mention, uh, I don't know if anybody's seen it, if you haven't, go to social media. Uh, the University of Hawaii men's basketball program is rocking throwback unis tonight, right? Obviously, we released this on Thursday, recording this on Wednesday, mid-morning. But playing tonight uh, in their game, what is it, UC Santa Barbara, I think, tonight, um, as they return home from a road trip, uh, seven, 1970s-era-themed Hawaii rainbows with like the rainbow piping down the side. Um, I think they're pretty sweet. Uh, I I am all for it. Uh, and I bring this up because it's it's the first uh, retro uni we've really seen uh, from Adidas, right? And mm. and for the men's basketball program, uh, they got into it a little bit last year. We've seen some throwbacks with the Under Armour partnership, but now with Adidas, and so maybe a sneak peek into what maybe some of the football alternate unis some throwback unis might look like under the i would imagine uh but they went 70s retro theme here and i am all for it absolutely no i i thought those were so sick um one of the members at the golf course that i worked at for uh many years was uh um john pennybacker who was oh, one yeah. of the you know original fab five uh back in the 70s and uh looked very much like what he probably wore back in the day um i like you jordan i'm a huge fan anytime we can honor the past and uh uh just has a very unique colorway and story tradition with our brand and so anytime we can play on that i think is is terrific and yeah really since in some ways the chow era we haven't really sported too many throwbacks on the football side of things. Um, Rolo brought in the uh, the island chain on the helmet, which we still use. Um, but other than that, we we really haven't gone back to any of the the rainbow colorway in quite a bit. So I, I'm with you, man. I'm hungry for uh, something new with uh, the Adidas partnership. Yeah, I'm excited, and and that was something that what was it last year? Was last year the first year of the Adidas? Um, I think it was. Yeah, and, and that it came in part because Under Armour pulled out of the Hawaii deal, like they pulled out of a lot of deals, uh, and so the the quick transition to Adidas, and they didn't really get a chance to customize a lot of jerseys, and so that was that was a topic of conversation, understandably so, with the with the late switchover. But now that they've got some time, I, I'm excited to see what the possibilities are. You saw Timmy a little bit last year. Um, he would have those, uh, you know, like the, the long sleeve, um, pullovers that, that had, uh, like the, the, the men who yeah, the running men running back, you know, uh, yeah, with the rainbow, uh, I thought those were pretty cool. Maybe they can incorporate some of that. Right. Um, there, there are a ton of different eras. There are a ton of different eras, especially of UH football, 
that they can tap into. And I'm excited. I'm excited. Uh, I, I think the I think they got it right with this this basketball look, uh, which gives me optimism that the, the, that they will, you know, get it right uh, come football season. While we're on the topic, um, Timmy is a fan of no frills on the sideline. You know, uh, he he looks like another uh, GA out there sometimes. Uh, for, from a coaching staff perspective, he's just very no nonsense. Got a you know a white track. Uh, top and then sweatpants on under it's uh you almost can't distinguish that he's the head coach out there you know? comfort he's 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 going for comfort he is he's going for comfort and and built for speed almost looks like he's wanting to jump out there and run around a little bit but uh maybe in the second year we'll we'll see the uh the cool wood lay or uh or something because uh yeah i i feel like we could turn that up a little bit in year two yeah, we've seen but, uh, a lot of the, the the arena sports. They've got like the the Aloha Aloha shirt or Aloha print uh, partnerships with some of the local brands as well. Uh, so you never know. You never know. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what Timmy style. Maybe maybe on episode one hundred when he's promised to come back on the pod, uh, right. which now is only twenty six episodes away. Crazy enough. Um, we'll uh, we'll ask him about his style style on the sidelines. Uh, speaking of grad assistants, uh, former University of Hawaii defensive lineman. Um, and former University of Hawaii grad assistant, fellow Baldwin alum, uh, boy. There, and former guest of the show, uh, Jordan Poo Robinson, uh, just uh, taking a job and just announced, uh, made official that he will be the defensive line coach. So kind of making that transition right from, from grad assistant to full-time uh, assistant coach as he continues on his coaching journey over at the Citadel. Uh, as we mentioned, friend of the pod, uh, he joins the staff at the Public Military College in Charleston, South Carolina. So he's going a long way away. Uh, from the islands bulldogs went four and seven last year three and five in the socon but uh, a great uh, really great first opportunity as a full-time assistant coach for uh Poo as he joins uh the fcs ranks and uh, i think he's a guy that uh, you talk to a lot of people around the program's got a pretty bright future in the in the coaching profession yeah and uh fellow baldwin guy uh, for you, fellow UH teammate of mine, uh, mm-hmm. we played together in the Norm Chow era and uh, couldn't be more stoked for him. You're, I think that just goes hand in hand. If you're connected with Hawaii, not just UH, but Hawaii in general and football, and you see people succeed and start to you know, find their legs on their journey, you can't help but be excited for them. So nothing but the best for JPR. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see uh, how his journey progresses uh i think that's a great start for him over there at the citadel uh just a, a trading one short for another man as he goes all the way to charleston south carolina that's pretty cool stuff um hawaii football signees at the polynesia bowl you had four of them over this past weekend uh last week friday played at kuniakea stadium up at kamehameha schools uh you you had quarterback john calvi sangapolotele who uh, Mark mentioned uh, in our conversation first half of today's pod. He, he got on the field for, for a little bit in the second half, threw two passes, completed one for 11 yards. Um, he also had the offensive lineman, Isaac Mungaleo, uh, the, the young man out of Campbell, who's a big, big dude, uh, who Mark also kind of pointed out as having his eye on. You also had uh, Midalani safety, Ezekiel Rodriguez playing the game, didn't record any stats, uh, as well as linebacker by Fanua Peko uh, out of American Samoa. Uh, also didn't record any defensive stats in that ball game, but uh, pretty cool experience. And we've seen in years past, you know, some, some hidden gems in that Polynesian bowl. 
um, kind of make a name for themselves. Uh, we saw the, the the game continues to get just ridiculously high level players. Um, and, it, and it's going to be kind of cool to see where those guys end up. And also, you know, it's not a bad thing that you bring a lot of these kids into the islands and they get to play a little bit, get a little taste. And and some of them with family ties and whatnot, even among some of the bigger recruits. Because as you mentioned, Hunter, like if you get that run and shoot offense going, you'd be like, hey, playing in white, not a bad thing. Uh, you never know who might circle back uh, to the islands maybe later in their collegiate career. But yeah, and you know, the, the Polynesian Bowl really has found its footing right now uh, with being played on the NFL Network. Um the the showing up of prolific NFL talent and um Hall of Famers. Troy Polamalu was there. He he turned up and just to see the reaction from uh players whenever uh you know they were surprised to see people like him. Obviously Coach Miano has done a phenomenal job in curating this event and it's widely, widely respected, not just here in Hawaii, but nationally for uh you know polynesian kids everywhere they want an invite to this to come be a part of this and i i think you're right jordan if you could pair this with a little bit of success branding uh coming and playing for the brotherhood at uh that's gonna that's gonna be more cultivating or more captivating in years to come yeah just sharing the the that, that polynesian culture right and how influential it has been on the game of football uh, i think it's a great Great event, and obviously what the, the Polynesian Football Hall of Fame has done. Um, I, I, I just, uh, it's awesome. That game continues to grow and continues to get just ridiculously talented players to come in. Um, and of what is now, I think, one of the established high school senior all-star games in the country up there, you know, trying to be on the level of the the Under Armour game as well as the, um, the U.S. Army All-American game in San Antonio. So, Pretty cool stuff there. Uh, one other thing before we head uh, into our two-minute drill to close things out. I uh, did want to make a correction, as our guys on the comments did rightfully. Paul Scott, um, Trey, I think, T-R-V-Y-8 uh, on the YouTube handle. Uh, Bobby Petrino, who was at UNLV, uh, no longer there. Uh, on January 15th, uh, I believe it was, um, was uh, January 4th, I should say. Uh, was hired away to be the offensive coordinator at Texas A&M. Um, you know, we had, we had mentioned that he was hired at UNLV, and that was kind of a big coup uh, for Coach Odom there. Uh, but he he lasted all of 20 days. Uh, he'll be uh, taking over the primary play-calling duties from Jimbo Fisher at A&M, which is a big story in itself, uh, let alone the fact that he had, like, a cup of tea over in Vegas. I don't even know if he showed up in Vegas before he he got scooped up by texas a&m uh he was hired on december 15th by unlv and then left on january 4th the official hiring by texas a&m 20 days uh very reminiscent uh, i think some some sports fans will remember chris beard uh was 20 days as the unlv basketball coach uh back in 2016 it was hired away from arkansas little rock after taking them on an ncaa tournament run uh and then 15 days later bolted for texas tech uh he subsequently left there for texas last season uh and is no longer at texas because of uh the domestic incident which is um no good but uh yeah this this seems to happen to you know it's kind of weird uh one of our comment i think it was scott that pointed out it's very reminiscent of uh what was um who was the guy that norm hired zach uh yeah I, i'll go look it up hill. in the notes here hill uh zach hill, hill. The, the offensive coordinator right he came from did he come from ewash too and then he ended up from- ended up at boise 
then he ended up at Boise, yeah. right? But but was he? A, that was, was, that was actually Washington a roller. That was a roller hire. A roller hire. Yeah, it yeah. was a roller hire. I, I shook his hand. I I literally shook his hand. Rolo. So he was here. He was briefly. Um, he introduced. Uh, Rolo introduced me to him as the quarterbacks coach. Um, and then he was gone. Um, so literally every time we played Boise, we had uh, we had plays called Rich Hill. Um and so or Zach Hill, whatever his name was. Z- yeah, Zach, Zach, Zach Hill. Hill, yeah. Hill. Not um, to be confused with Rich Hill, the University of Hawaii baseball coach. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. A lot of names, a lot of names. But uh yeah, that was uh that was an interesting deal. You know, back to the UNLV thing, Jordan. They say Vegas is a three-night town. So uh it was just long enough to uh lose your um lose your signing bonus on the craps table. So I'm, I'm glad he got out of there without too much damage. Yeah. He was um, not even a three week stint uh, in Vegas, not even a three week <laughs> town or job for, uh, for Bobby Petrino there. Uh, so pretty interesting. And then the other interesting thing, and this was pointed out as well by our guy, uh, uh, Trey eight. I'm, I'm just going with that Trey. Uh, feel free to correct me in the comments for the, for the next episode. Um, but the, the new offensive coordinator who was hired, um, mid-January after the departure of Bobby Petrino is Brendan Marion. And some folks would be like, Brendan Marion, that name sounds familiar. Yeah, he was the former University of Hawaii wide receivers coach right in 2020, the first year, first of the two-year Todd Graham era, and then left, went to Pittsburgh. Uh, Coach Jordan Addison there um, was at Texas, I believe, this past season. Um, And so he is the new offensive coordinator, and he is a guy with a, a great pedigree. I think he played for, for um, Coach Graham over at uh, Tulsa, was it? Uh, he was a really good receiver, and then he was the offensive candidate at Howard, uh, amongst other stops, and had some really prolific offensive there. Uh, I think it's a pretty interesting hire, pretty good hire, um, and, and adds to a list. And, and if nothing else, Todd Graham has always had a really impressive coaching tree, like a yeah. really impressive coaching tree. That smells on. Among other, I mean, even in the the Pac-12, right, it, yeah. with with Dan Lanning at, at Oregon, and now um, what's uh, Kenny Dillingham, right, the the guy that's gone down to Arizona State, both both Todd Graham guys, uh, it's ridiculous. But just on that 2020 staff, like at the University of Florida, just the 2020 staff, like the one year, uh, GJ Kinney, who went to UCF, then was the head coach in Incarnate Word, and led them to like unprecedented heights, made the the semifinals of the SCS playoffs, and put up ridiculous numbers. Offensively, he was the the offensive coordinator in title that 2020 year, even though he wasn't the play caller. Um, he's now the head coach at FBS Texas State. Um, you got Marion, who's the OC at UNLV. You got Jacob Yoro, who's the defensive coordinator at the University of Hawaii. You've got Tony Hull. Uh, remember, he was the the co-offensive coordinator again on paper, uh, inside receivers coach at the University of Hawaii. He's now the offensive coordinator at Grambling State. Um, FCS is pretty high level. Uh, you got Trent Fig, who was the chief of staff then he was uh a position coach i think the second year under yeah. under graham um he spent last year at oregon was like an analyst at oregon uh because uh you know the connections there uh he's now the head coach at division three calvin university in michigan they're just starting a program there in grand rapids first year ever uh, so he's like a head coach a collegiate head coach like that's just off that one year um and again it, like we've beat that horse a whole bunch of times when it comes to the Todd Graham. we know uh, we get it. We've we've talked about it probably too much for some folks out there, but it is kind of amazing how many of his guys, man, go and find success. Um, 
Todd Graham, not very successful when it comes to cultural sensitivity, very successful when it comes to football and football knowledge, coaches, um, connections there. Uh, say what you will about him, that part of the job, he's got well covered. So, um, yeah, very interesting to say the least, Jordan. Yeah, it's it's kind of wild. And again, that's just one of the two years. Um, maybe I got to go back and look at the, the 2021 season and see where some of those guys ended up. It's it's. It's kind of amazing. Uh, so, uh, you know, indirectly, best of luck to, to Brendan Marion. Um, I, I think he'll do pretty well at Unimi, to be quite honest. I think Odom's done a nice job of of rebuilding, uh, kind of like Timmy Chang. Uh, I, I, I've got some really good friends who played football in UNLV, and, and mm -hmm. I know that Odom has done a, a really good job of trying to reconnect with alums. Uh, and I don't know if that was necessarily the case uh, under the previous coaching staff. Uh, and much like Timmy Chang, I think trying to rebuild some of that and welcome a lot of these guys back in. Oh, that's awesome. um, with open arms uh, so that's pretty cool stuff there and there's always kind of a this this kindred connection I think to UNLV and the University of Hawaii football program um, so that'll about do it for us we we head into the quick two-minute drill to wrap things up here Hunter uh, I'll give you a chance but I did want to mention the University of Hawaii nationally ranked women's water polo program which is always really good uh, beat Michigan 15 to 6 in women's water polo over the weekend uh, then they beat Fresno, turned around, beat them the, the next day. You can catch that uh, streaming and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, take that, Harbaugh, a little revenge, a little revenge for the football team. So you may have gotten us on the football field, but do not test us in the water because uh, the women's <laughs> water polo squad, they're, they're, they're legit. The water's got to be colder up in Michigan, man. I'm, I'm from that neck of the woods. So, uh, yeah, well, I think we've got the water sports handle a little bit better uh, uh, my overtime is, uh, I don't know if you guys saw the warm-up of Joe Burrow before that divisional. He's uh, smoking a cigar? Or? Bills. Uh, he like he throws a go-route and spins around, and they slow-mode it, and they're like, Joe Cool is here. I'd just like to mention the first person to do that this past season was actually our boy Justin Fields, Jordan, from the Chicago Bears. Literally That's right. A little less, little less support for Justin Fields in Chicago than there is for for Joey That's B. Exactly right. But before they deem, you know, Joe uh, Burrow the author of all things cool on, in the football world, uh, he might have gotten it from uh, his his other uh, Ohio State fellow alumni. So uh, I just want to get that jab in there as well. In the interest of throwing jabs, I thought I'd throw another one. There you go. Uh, before we head out, let's uh, let's make uh, let's let's do it. Who who do you got in the Super Bowl? Who, who's winning the two championship games? Uh, I think a lot of the momentum's with the Niners right now, and I think it's going to be Niners Bengals and ooh, it's two road teams. I like it. Yeah, I with, with where Mahomes' ankle is at right now. That's he couldn't even hand off outside zone. Jordan, he, he it could was barely, two hops on the bat on the good leg. Yeah, yeah, it was brutal to watch. Um. I'm very curious to see how he's going to do. And uh, yeah, I, the, the, the game of the week will be San Francisco against the Eagles. Um, th that's going to be the one, but uh, yeah, I, tough, tough to say a winner right now, but I feel like a lot of momentum's with San Fran. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm going, I was with you. I, I my, my picks coming into the playoffs, I think for Cincinnati and, and San Francisco, I'm going to change a little bit. I'm going to roll with Cincinnati. I also don't think they're going to let Travis Kelsey catch 14 balls. I love Travis Kelsey. Uh, he's my dude. Um, but I, I think they're going to put a lot of pressure on, on some of the, the more unproven receivers. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm going with Cincinnati. Yep. Um, I was all in on the Niners. Uh, then the Eagles kind of played like 
they were playing earlier in the season last week and just God. demolished the Giants. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I think at home, uh, I'm going to go with Hurts and the Eagles. Oh, so we'll, we'll differ there. We'll see how wrong uh, I am come uh, come next or me. week. Uh, yeah, I'll take an L. Another. We'll see. Yeah, so it'll it'll probably just be uh, the Chiefs winning. Um, that's that's probably how this works out because of our prognostication skills. Uh, now that was a lot of fun today. Uh, always fun with you, Hunter. Uh, we appreciate our guy Jonathan on the controls as well as a big mahalo to Mark Veneri for joining us as the guest on episode seventy four. Shout out to our sponsors, Spectrum Mobile and Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union as well. We'll see you next week, everybody. Signing day coming up less than a week's time. We'll be back to talk all about it next episode here on Hawaii Football Now. Aloha. You've been listening to Hawaii Football Now with Jordan Helley and Hunter Hughes, all from ESPN Honolulu.